good morning and welcome to WKQI Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard, your host. Thank you very much for joining me on the program this morning. Glad you can make it. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. Should be relatively decent. Kind of the uh, pleasant weather here before uh, it gets hot next week. But, oh, well, it is July after all in August, so I guess we can kind of expect that. But hope you get a chance to get out and at least enjoy it this weekend. I already, I, I know there's going to be a few people out on the water. I've seen a lot of boats out in the uh, uh, area here this morning already, so it's... Uh, it's going to be a busy weekend, and, and hey, I can't, what a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful morning. Why wouldn't you want to be out there? Yeah. Let me just turn the mic I'm just going to go. I'll just go, right? No, okay, well, I, I better stay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a lovely morning to, uh, to be out there. Sadly, my thought was like, okay, let's see, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just go, go fishing, and uh, and then it's like, oh, no, I need to mow the lawn. Hopefully, hopefully there's a little, can't really call mowing the lawn fun, but needs to get done, but hopefully there'll be some entertainment, relaxation, recreation, however you want to call it, uh, a little bit later in the day. So, I better get it. I hope you get the opportunity to do so as well. It should be a... Uh, fairly decent day, and hopefully the uh, showers will not happen until after you're done with your chores. I mean, we could use the rain most most definitely here, because things are dry right now. My goodness. And uh, definitely you uh, could, um, from about maybe like 11 until 6 or so, just a uh, a nice steady rain. Nothing, you know, nothing heavy or anything, you know, not no downpours or whatever, but just a nice, steady rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wish I could chat with Mother Nature. Just like, hey, just we could use this here, and you know. But anyway, anyhow, yeah, it's uh, it's dry, and you can tell that uh, one indication is that the uh, the river levels are uh, definitely on the low side here. We're sitting at uh, uh, just a. Had under four seven this morning here. It's come down a little bit, and uh, um, it's uh, it, it is low out there. Uh, there's no no doubt about it. Certainly a uh, big change of pace from uh, what we had just a, a few months ago. My goodness, um, we're getting both ends of the spectrum here. I guess uh, this year once again. So, but uh, just to keep that in mind, if you're you're headed out, if you got a canoe or a kayak or something, you're Probably okay. Just uh, don't go flying with the boats uh, <coughs> um, around wing dams and things like that, unless uh, unless you want to get a new uh, lower unit or something like that. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. But anyway, yeah, you just don't want to uh, you just don't want to mess with that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, otherwise it's uh, you know not a bad. Uh, not a bad weekend. Uh, like I said, River Stage sitting at about 4.8 right now. Uh, the flow is uh, down considerably in uh, in the area here. Uh, Alma's at 8,700, which I can't recall the last time I've seen it. That I, And everything else, uh, the further it picks up a little further south, but uh, otherwise everything around here is, uh, you know, 
Minnesota City is at 11. Uh, Winona's at 11.5. Trempolo's at 12.4. Dresbank's at 11.7. Genoa's at 14.1. Uh, same for Lynxville as well. But, uh, um, yeah, that's just uh, unbelievable what the uh, the flow is. Right? I mean, it's just practically non-existent is uh, probably a, a good way to put it anyway. So, oh, goodness, it's, uh, it's a challenge out there. And fortunately, um, on the plus side anyway, is that it's, uh, you know, a little less water you got to cover for uh, for finding the fish anyway. Um, you still got to go through all the effort and everything. It's, it's it's not like you know fishing in a bucket or something. It, it, it's a little more complicated than that. But uh, actually, the fishing hasn't been um, hasn't been too bad at all, really, uh, for the most part. Uh, walleye, or I shouldn't have the walleye, but the uh, uh, panfish bite is what I was going to say uh, is uh, is doing. Pretty darn well right now. Um, the bluegill bite is doing just fine right now. That uh, uh, oh, I never gave the water temperatures, did I? Yeah, uh, water temperatures sitting in the upper 70s, 77s and 78s, uh, pretty much across the board. And that's uh, uh, I was going to mention that because I, that's kind of the prime. We're right in that good wheelhouse for uh, for bluegills to be active and, and things like that. So, yeah, the bluegill bite is uh, uh, is doing pretty well right now. If you're looking for some panfish this weekend, um, definitely get out there and do that. And before you go, uh, dig down a little bit in the, the garden or the backyard, wherever you got a spot, and uh, grab a few night crawlers or, better yet, maybe stop by and, and help support your local bait and tackle shop and, and pick up a container of night crawlers as well, and uh, you will be pretty much set for some fine bluegill fishing. And not to mention the fact that you can probably pick off a few uh, uh, perch or uh, crappie that might be happening by as well, or in that uh, same little fishing hole as, as well. Uh, both of them are doing pretty decent uh, as well. Uh, perch are um, yeah, just, you know, Small little jig and a minnow, or um, little uh, gob of night crawlers, or whatever. The perch uh, will certainly gobble that down when uh, when you find them. Uh, crappies as well, uh, using uh, little small artificials, little worms, things like that, or uh, crappie minnows will definitely uh, uh, do you for some some decent sized crappies and uh, finding the weeds and things like that. Man, it's uh, yeah, right. Right now, the uh, yeah, the, the panfish bite. Uh, we're in we're in the prime summer time of pan fishing here. It's really not you know might slack off a little bit. It gets a little warmer here. You know, this this ninety degree weather that we're going to be sitting into uh, for the next week or so. If it hangs around for a while, uh, it might kind of dial things back a little bit. But um, right now, it's uh, it, it's pretty decent out there. Maybe with luck, it'll. Stay that way into the uh, uh, great time of, uh, of some fall fishing here too. Uh, the bass bite is is doing well. Um, seen a lot of bass boats around here the uh, last few days, of course. Uh, but uh, you know that bass bite is is doing very very well right now for uh, largies uh, or smallmouths, for that matter. Um, finding, of course, the uh, 
the largemouth, uh, the edges of weeds and uh, in, in backwater areas, uh, some side channel areas. And if you ever wanted to think about trying some kayak fishing, it's probably not a bad time to think about doing that uh, uh, right now, as a matter of fact, because with the uh, with the water being so low, um, it might make it a little challenging to get back in some of those uh, uh, sloughs or backwater areas that uh, you might normally be able to get to with the boat. I haven't heard anything, but it just <laughs> from from past experience and past stories I've heard it. it um, like I said, you got a kayak or canoe or something and can get. Uh, through some of those little shallow areas and, and maybe into like a little back bay or up some of those sloughs or whatnot, um, you might be able to find some, uh, some great fishing spots that aren't, uh, aren't going to see a lot of pressure this summer. So, uh, that's, uh, that's good. Of course, the, uh, the smallmouth bite is, uh, doing pretty well too. Um, you know, rock piles, uh, wing dams, places along those lines it certainly can have some, uh, some great action with the uh, with the smallies there, fishing uh, uh, spinner baits, uh, crank baits, things along those lines. Um, just seeing some nice, really nice looking smallmouths being caught uh, in the last week or so, and that's uh, uh, definitely de- definitely some good action there. That's uh, that's always a lot of fun. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, the uh, the walleye bite, eh, not doing too bad either. Uh, jigging a minnow, or if you want to do a little, maybe a little trolling or something, that uh, uh, you can try that uh, as well. But uh, the walleye bite is is doing fair. Of course, uh, find most of them along wing dams, up by the lock and dam, those kinds of areas. Uh, check out the fishing floats. Uh, those are uh, tremendous places right now to uh, to fish. If you don't want to uh, mess around with the boat, or if you're like me, you don't have a boat, um, then you can uh, certainly enjoy uh, some great quality fishing uh, up there at the uh, the fishing floats. You know, take your pick whether it's uh, Clemens down in Genoa there, or uh, up here in Dresback, up at Trempolo. You know, take your pick, and you will definitely find some some good quality fishing up there and. Heck, that's just a, a lot of fun. Um, I haven't had a chance to do that yet this summer, but um, that is definitely a uh, definitely a good time to to get out there and just a nice just nice places across the board, really, uh, for uh, for fishing and where, where they sit. Uh, you can you will definitely uh, have your opportunities to catch some nice fish uh, of all sizes. Um, that's kind of the fun thing too about them is that. Uh, you can enjoy the, uh, uh, you know, maybe a walleye, some bass, uh, panfish, catfish, uh, dogfish, <laughs> uh, whatever you, uh, whatever you're looking for, uh, they will uh, more than likely uh, have it caught at uh, at one of those places there. But yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a lot of fun up here, uh, up there as well. Uh, Northern bite too. Don't uh, I, I don't want to overlook that too. That uh, that bite is. Doing pretty well this time of year. <laughs> I just I saw a picture last night. Uh, um, I think it was one of the guys from the UWL fishing team. I uh, had about a, a foot long northern, um, and yeah, put it back. But even those little guys, uh, I've had them. They can be just aggressive as all heck. Kind of a 
pain in the butt to catch, but um, or when you catch them anyway, I should say. But, uh, yeah, they can be uh, aggressive as all get out. Um, not a lot of, like you said, you know, they're pain in the butt to get the hook out and all that stuff, but um, even still. But, yeah, the uh, the larger ones, the uh, the more mature ones, uh, uh, that's not uh, not doing too bad either. You know, you're cranking a nice uh, a nice flashy spoon or a crankbait out, working along some of those weed edges um, or channel openings, stream in, you know, where streams are running into bigger streams and whatnot. Uh, you can certainly have some fun with them as well, give you a good tussle. I don't have my report for carp fishing either, which probably wouldn't be a bad uh, a bad thing as well, although I'm sure uh, plenty of folks are out doing some late-night bow fishing as well, cat fishing as well uh, at night. Um, big uh, chunk of crawlers will find some of those little scour holes and whatnot um, off the uh, off the main channel there and might be able to find some nice channel cats and whatnot or maybe you know a little flathead if if you get some larger shiners things along those lines those will uh, definitely help out as well and you want a good tussle um, you know people don't I you know I think you're more Educated anglers will definitely say that you want a good tussle out here. Do some catfishing. That's uh, not going to be, not necessarily in terms of numbers. You're never going to get huge numbers, but um, usually. But, uh, boy, they uh, they put up a great fight. Carp do, too, for that matter, uh, if you get some of those uh, uh, larger carp. I'm, I'm surprised I don't have... Uh, more broken rods considering the number of carp I've, I think I've caught <laughs> once in a while. Usually uh, uh, it's uh, uh, with, the, with the lighter gear, and um, somehow a four-pound test just doesn't hold up to a really good, strong carp. Call me crazy, but <laughs> um, it uh, I suspect it's a combination of uh, line strength and uh, uh, lack of skill among the uh, host here, but <laughs> but no, it's uh, you know like I said, I mean you know and, and just see that the last several minutes, what a you know like I said, great opportunities right now to get out there and uh, uh, do some tremendous fishing, and hopefully again you get the opportunity to do so today, and um, that uh, that should be just a uh, a ton of fun, most uh, most definitely here. Anyway, I've got to take a short break, and uh, I will be back in just a couple of moments as uh, WKTY Outdoors continues here this morning. Uh, I have got uh, my guest coming up here. We've got uh, Tackle Terry Tuma joining me here today, and uh, that's always a good conversation here because we just talk a little bit about everything. So it's going to be a good chat. We'll do that in just a few minutes here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It is coming up on 824. I'm Kevin Millard. Thanks for joining me on the program this morning. Glad you could be here. 
Joining me on the phone right now is tackle Terry Tuba and uh, Terry. Boy, uh, it's uh, we're we're definitely in summer right now. I guess this <laughs> easiest way to uh, easiest way to put it. By the way, good morning and, and thank you for joining me on the show this morning. Well, good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning to all our listeners. You're sure welcome. In fact, we've been fishing the river and just got back home last night a fishing Pepin. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that's just kind of a different, uh, a different uh, compared to the rest of the. At least in our, I know it's not that far from Lacrosse here, but uh, um, uh, it, it, it is just it fishes differently than say the rest of the river, even though it is a part of the river. Well, excuse me. No, no problem, no problem. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, excuse me, Kevin. I just swallowed wrong. No, no problem. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It does fish. Uh, Somewhat different. Uh, you still, you know, you're not fishing the backwaters, of course, mm-hmm. right, but you can sneak up into the backwaters in certain locations. But also, too, with the droppage of water levels, that's a uh, factor to consider. And you know, there's just a, you know, like for instance, you're fishing bass, uh, riprap areas are always good. Same thing with walleyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, uh, the Areas where you are going to see cold water seams for northern pike can be extremely productive. Any mm-hmm. uh, incoming uh, river systems or creek system where it's going to provide cold water, good for pike. Uh, and there's, you know, just a lot of different areas, sand points for bass, uh, inside turns for walleyes. Uh, there's just a lot of different locations that we can fish for all species of fish, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, you know, it, it, you know just having... Driven by, I've never had the opportunity to fish it, but uh, uh, just the opportunity to uh, you know just drive, I guess, on <laughs> either side of it. But uh, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of different. Um, you're right. There's a lot of different structure. There's a lot of different uh, places where um, multi-species uh, are, are going to be hanging out. Uh, you're right. You know, walleyes, bass, panfish. Uh, you know, take your pick. You can uh, uh, kind of find it all. Uh, in in various parts uh, of the lake, uh, which uh, is pretty darn large. <laughs> yeah, it really is, Kevin, and that's a good point. You have many different species. In fact, we had some uh, good results yesterday fishing crankbaits, mm-hmm. and um, even after the second day of the cold front, which everyone says it's really tough fishing, and you know, really what we have to do is just get out there, challenge the weather, Figure out what the fish are going to, you know, mm-hmm. want to eat, and then go from there. But I think so often you and I talked about this in the past. But we blame cold fronts for poor fishing. Right. We blame cold fronts for you know not even going out. I hear a lot of comments about that, uh, about the moon phases. I hear so many different comments out there about why we shouldn't fish or why we're not catching fish, and that's just really it's a uh, personal excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it is, you know. Like you've you've said here, um, you know, just because the you know, there is a weather front through, and it will affect the fish certainly. But it's it you know they still have to eat, they still have to uh, do all the uh, all the things that they need to do to survive. So um, you know they are catchable. You just need to you know uh, work maybe a little bit harder on the uh, figuring out the equation that uh, will bring success. Yeah, you're right, and that's something that we have to do. <clears throat> Even if you've got uh, more of an, a uh, 
more of an aggressive bite. You still have to really key in on what they really want. I just take it, don't take it for granted that what we used yesterday is going to work today. Many times that's not the case, and we just have to keep on experimenting. And if you do that, too, you're going to learn a lot more, too, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm wondering, too, uh, along those lines, uh, with the, this water being low uh, in, in a lot of places, certainly here uh, in, in the La Crosse area, is it an opportunity, do you think, to uh, to maybe sort of uh, read the terrain a little bit better, things you can see, and, and, and uh, you know, get a, a little bit better understanding of what, uh, uh, you know, what sort of uh, terrain, what sort of features are maybe um, prevalent, maybe be able to help read the water just a little bit better? Yes, I think you're 100% correct. In fact, I just got off the phone. We were talking about the water levels, about some of the uh, points, you know, like the sand points that are so prevalent right now mm-hmm. or some, you know, wing dams and so forth that are so prevalent. And you give us a little bit of a better understanding of how these are, uh, say, either protruding or underwater when you have normal water conditions. So it's something that we can really use as a guideline, if you will. And now with the river so low, in fact, this individual I talked to, uh, he said this is several years ago, he got uh, stranded on a sand point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he was running the river, and his electronic said a foot and a half. And he said no way is it a foot and a half deep, sure enough. He bought them out on the sand point. Mm-hmm. So here again, too, is sort of trusting your electronic and be aware of, you know, anything that's going to change. You know, if you're fishing riprap, for instance, or whatever, you're going to see a lot of changes in that riprap area, you know, with the water level so low. Uh, can, it, normally, it's not going to affect your fish bite, but it's going to affect uh, how you're casting, what you're using, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pluses. And then, you know, when you have normal water levels, you just sort of remember what you see with low water levels. It's sort of a, shall we say, a mental imprint of exactly what is taking place under the water and why the fish are relating to those specific locations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's, it's an opportunity, you know, I kind of think of it as, uh, you know, reading a book here, and, and you know, each little place is a, a, a chapter or a page or something like that, and, and you read that and retain that, and um, when the water levels come back up, you've maybe got a little bit better understanding of what uh, uh, where those fish are hanging out at and, and uh, what maybe you need to do or, or do differently in order to, uh, uh, to catch them. Oh, yes, that's very, very well said. It's almost like, you know, creating a picture Mm -hmm. of exactly what's under the water. If we can do that, but even under uh, regular water levels on inland body of water, we really need to, you know, sort of, shall we say, I don't want to say act like a fish, but understand why these fish are in these specific areas Mm -hmm. and what it actually looks like under the water. If we can do that, you know, we have electronics that are going to help us with that, but if we can really pinpoint specific pockets or boulders or whatever it may be, uh, uh, incoming streams or whatever, that's going to be a big, or spring, that's going to be a big factor in us catching fish basically year-round. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's knowledge that you can use uh, really any time of uh, any time of the year. You're exactly uh, you're exactly right. And I, I guess, you know, too, you know, how, what sort of things, you know, 
are there, were there any other kinds of adjustments that you, you had to make when you were out, uh, out fishing Pepin yesterday, maybe because of the conditions? Not really. Uh, what I did start in, we can talk a little bit about that now. I usually uh, start out with, in, on, even on inland body of water, no matter if you've got a front or if you don't have a front, I always start out with more of an aggressive bait, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's uh, going to be a trolling crankbait, or maybe it's going to be casting crankbait, and see what kind of success, and then vary with, uh, you know, with the different crankbait styles and so forth. But there are two what we have to, you know, start. We can start out more aggressive, then we'll know what kind of, I use it, uh, basically crankbait as a mood indicator. Mm-hmm. If I'm catching fish on a crankbait, then I know we got a pretty aggressive bite going. Mm-hmm. Instead of starting out maybe with a Ned Rig or a Wacky Worm or a Jig and Plastic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or two jigs starting out that way, but we never really will know, you know, could we caught more fish, could we caught better fish uh, using crankbaits. But we can always, again, I call it going down the ladder, start out aggressive, then you know, not quite as aggressive, less aggressive, and then non-aggressive, more the finesse approach. I think it really works out well. And so, therefore, then, we always start out with the aggressive approach. We really know how active these fish are going to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And, and it's it's just simply uh, working that progression, uh, um, you know, and, and, and figuring it out from there. At, at some point there, you will, uh, on that, scale if you will you will uh you will find the 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 best fish or uh you know maybe they'll be a little more aggressive in one spot a little less aggressive in the other and um you know a little more you know need that uh, that finesse uh, approach uh, in in another area so it's uh, um that's what makes it fun <laughs> you know it's just trying to yeah. figure that out from place to place yeah it really is and you know we been dealing with mayfly hatches on the mm-hmm. river system. I think most of us uh, have dealt with that or are dealing with that. In yeah. fact, there was another light one that was just starting up again yesterday. And, uh, you know, here again, too, we hear the comment about, well, what do we do when we have a mayfly hatch? Uh, can we catch fish on those kind of conditions? And there again, too, I'll start out with a crankbait. But that's going to be a reaction bite, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we... Uh, don't do that, you know, and, and we have to go for that. Uh, of course, um, when we hit the real heavy mayfly hatch, we're doing some TV work there. And when the uh, the, uh, the dead or the carcasses uh, grab onto your line or your baits, the rod guide, then it makes it really difficult. But then what you can do, too, is one is move to a, a location that doesn't have as much of a mayfly hatch. That's a big plus. Number two is... Then what I do is I'll generally use a Ned Rig under these kind of conditions uh, with the green pumpkin or the watermelon, something of that color, or, or what it's called a little trooper. It's a new bait that came up by uh, Berkeley, and it's got sort of tentacles on it, and that almost imitates a, a mayfly in a uh, sense of the word. But you can have really a tough bite uh, um, when this is taking place with mayflies uh, because they're just scorching themselves on these mayflies. But here again, you've got to challenge those. Uh, don't give up. Keep on moving. Keep on experimenting. But generally speaking, from the aggressive of a crankbait, then down way down to a mm-hmm. finesse. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, that's uh, again something that um, yeah, that's uh, that makes for an extra challenge, I guess, uh, if you will, uh, when uh, when you're out there. And certainly, yeah, we've uh, 
we've had our share here this summer. Nothing. We've only had, I think, maybe, and, and, and I could be wrong, but we've. Last time I said, well, I haven't seen any mayfly hatches. Like three days later, we just got a a, a major a major hatch, and, and it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything uh, anymore here because then uh, then we'll get another big hatch here going. Uh, but uh, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, again, it's just a, a, another little challenge to uh, to overcome, and you know maybe you you know switch you know switch things up a little bit, and uh, uh, you know I like that finesse approach, and you know those those fish again they they still you know they they may have gorged themselves on on mayflies, but you know they will have to eat, and you know maybe not all fish like mayflies, <laughs> you know so. You know, and the other thing, too, if you've got a real minor mayfly hatch, that can uh, trigger a, a feeding spree. But if you've got a major, then you're, in, you're, you're yeah. going to have a big challenge. And then, too, I think just moving to a different location, just it can be on the lake or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily be the river system or the backwaters. But if we can move to an area where it's not as heavy of mayfly hatch, we can have some very, very good success. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And... And I, I guess too, what um, uh, you know, what are, what are you liking to you know when you when you work some of those? I'm just thinking some of the backwater areas down here are a little bit more shallow now with the uh, the lower river conditions. Um, when it gets like this, when you're working some of those uh, backwater areas, what sort of things do you like to uh, like to use? I mean, are you, are you still you're still starting out with those uh, with the crankbaits and working your way down from there. Uh, am I correct? Yes, you're exactly right. And what we need to do too, Kevin, is you know, uh, you know, even if you've got, uh, depending on the, how deep you're fishing, but you know, shallow running crankbaits, a small crankbait that are inch, inch and a half long, can be very, very productive. And then two is going down, depending on what you're fishing for. If you're fishing for bats and so forth, um, then I would definitely go with, uh, from there, I would definitely go to some sort of a plastic, uh, depending on, um, you know, what, you, where these fish are at. Uh, you can also go with some of the top waters under these kind of conditions. That can be very productive. Even some buzz baits. So there's a lot of tools that we can use under these kind of conditions working these areas. The other factor too is, I just had a question about, um, I took some people out fishing uh, through a uh, uh, auction, and uh, it was uh, they asked me a question about, do you feel that electronics spook the fish? And we hear so many comments about that almost constantly. And uh, the answer to that question that I made was, uh, we don't have any issues when we're using a Vexlar for ice fishing, do we? And they said, well, that's right. So they didn't uh, put that in a perspective. I really don't believe that electronics have spooked a fish. I do know that trolling motors, if you, uh, the vibration of trolling motors, especially if you put it on high speed and back to low speed, stop, low speed, high speed, the changes in that vibration will spook those fish. Mm-hmm. So you're always better off to just keep it on low speed and do not co- keep on constantly changing in a specific location. Yeah, that, that kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of revving that motor, you know, yeah, I can, I can see where that would disturb the fish, although I guess I wouldn't, yeah, you're right, I wouldn't necessarily qualify that as uh, electronics per se, but... Uh, interesting question. Um, I guess the only thing I can think of is if, if you maybe have a, a camera or something down there that might 
spook the fish, but otherwise, I, I you're right. I, I, it's hard for me to see where electronics would disrupt the fishing. Yeah, your transducer, your you know, the signal that's uh, provided underwater. No, I, I don't think it does, Kevin, I, at all. I, I don't know where that question comes from, but it's sort of a common occurrence. But um, I really don't believe it uh, does spook fish. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that fish can get acclimated, like, in a, for instance, in a marina where you have a lot of boating traffic and so forth. Um, you can definitely, have, you know, fish will relate to some of the riprap areas, some of the shorelines, some of the docks and so forth. But what they do is they get acclimated to that kind of a noise, and then it's almost like a normal habitat for those specific species of fish that you're pursuing. Mm-hmm. And actually, let me, you, you, you mentioned docks and, and things like that. Uh, do you do a lot of uh, a lot of that fishing, you know, docks uh, in those marina areas, places like that? Uh, do, you, uh, do you like to, to drop a line in those places? Not necessarily. No, I don't, uh, Karen, because basically there's uh, so much boat traffic in and out. Uh, some of the marina inlets and outlets are uh, outlets, if you want, and inlets. Uh, I will fish some of those areas, provided you have a lot of boat traffic. Uh, but the docks, no, I don't. Uh, I know that they can be extremely productive, but there again, too, I just avoid now if it's on an inland body of water, yes, I'll fish docks. Generally speaking, uh, this will be with plastics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I know that it, it's uh, you have to be very accurate with your cast. That's uh, that's for certain. But uh, you're right; uh, it, it's uh, uh, another little challenge. I don't think I've ever asked you about that. If if uh, if you do a lot of of, of dock fishing, but uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something to try anyway. Yeah, it really is. You know, especially now in on our inland bodies of water. We've got a lot of wheat that have already died off, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, some are currently dying a little bit earlier than normal. And uh, so now uh, docks become a uh, habitat for these fish, uh, along with even dead weeds. I know there's a lot of commerce fish do not relate to dead wheat growth, mm-hmm. or uh, they're not growing at all. There might be some, I call it sort of stubble if they're little, real short uh, green weeds, but these fish will relate to some of those areas because it does attract food sources. And so we should never forget about fishing dead weeds. I think there's, again, there's this concept out there, fish do not relate to dead weeds uh, because of giving off some sort of a gas that affects the fish itself, which is something else I do not believe in. Okay. Okay, well, that's uh, cool. That's, uh, I, it, it, it kind of changes my thought on, on that particular uh, uh, that particular process. And, and actually, kind of along along those lines as well, um, and again, getting back to some of the, the, the fishing conditions here too, uh, and the, the, the water levels as well, um, you know, with the, uh, you know, are, are these, are, are, are you finding fish a little bit deeper, a little bit shallower, or how, uh, how is that, uh, how is that, uh, how is that working at this point? Well, uh, the fish I caught yesterday were about two to four feet of water, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but, you know, here again, too, uh, it varies so much, but generally speaking, now if you were going to throw, uh, spinner rigs or, you know, with bottom bounces or, um boy, we have what's called a, a, a chain fishing sinker, works extremely well with, uh, spinner rigs again, uh, then I, I, I probably have a tendency to go a little bit deeper, but what we also have to understand too, that these fish can be very scattered. 
And I, the best way is to cover water as quick as possible. Now, if you're throwing crankbaits, they let go or just long lining, and you find an area where you've got some pretty active fish going, mm-hmm. uh, then I would definitely, you know, go back to that area I call a circle of the wagon. Uh, and or you, what you can do then is go back to a, a night crawler rig or even a leech rig and work those specific areas. That's the other thing too is, I'm going to really sort of pick on walleye fishing, is that someone picks up a walleye in one spot, maybe they're using bottom bouncers or whatever it may be, or, or trolling crankbaits, they pick up a, a walleye and they keep, keep bread on truck and they don't come back and work that area. Mm-hmm. And that's an indication you've got more than one walleye in those specific areas. Not always the case, but we really need to concentrate on, on that system of, of approach. I call a circle of the wagon in the seminars is where uh, you find a uh, location, you catch one fish. That's going to include not only walleyes, but it can include several species of fish. Sure. We really need to concentrate on a specific location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you know, I guess I think of it as, uh, um, you know, if, if I've caught a fish in one area, you know, you're right. There might be more down there, and um, if, if if it's a, a, an acceptable spot for uh, for one fish, a walleye, for example, um, chances are there's uh, there's probably a few more in that uh, in that vicinity. Why not uh, continue to work that area? Well, exactly right. Yeah, I think that you know applies to several species of fish, and two, you know, not you know, just for instance, a spring or a cold water seam or a specific riprap or riprap in general on the river systems uh, doesn't all they don't all hold fish. You know, I think, mm-hmm. and I see that you know a lot on the river system, especially for. Uh, when you see uh, bass tournaments uh, going on, is they're casting all riprap. You know, sure, you may pick up a fish, you may not pick up a fish, but there's riprap that's going to be more productive than other riprap. It's going to be depending, on, of course, on the food sources. Uh, it's going to be, be very dependent on the depth. And there's a lot of factors here where specific riprap will hold fish and specific riprap will not hold any fish at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, let me. Uh, I, I had a thought while you were you're, you're chatting there too that uh, one of the things I, I wanted to bring up, along with the uh, the low water levels here too, is the fact that the current is just really, really very, uh, very low right now, uh, at least in in uh, our area anyway. And you know, how does that for you? How does that affect uh, the fish and their location and um, and, and what they're going to do? Are they what? What are they doing different that that maybe they, you know, say a couple of months ago when it was you know ten times the flow that uh, that we've got right now? Well, I think uh, you know, really, in all honesty, I don't know if the fish are doing a lot of anything different, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they have to do is they have to uh, have a food source present. That's number one. Uh, no fish, no or no food, no fish. And then you have to have the habitat, the holding area that can hold these fish. Uh, there's a lot of uh, green weeds, or I call it sand grass, along the river banks that can hold fish. In fact, our son was out uh, fishing, and he found a, a spot with a lot of weeds, and he was uh, trolling right over the top of the weeds. He limped out in walleyes in two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, here again, too, you've got to do some searching. Uh, and then, yes, current can be a big factor. Generally speaking, though, uh, you know, a lot of heavy current will move these fish. Uh, most of the time, they will, except for slaughter, maybe have a tendency to have a little bit more 
uh, of the location, in fact, it would current. But generally speaking, uh, with high current, uh, high waters, the fish are going to be a little bit closer into shores or mm-hmm. into their uh, habitat locations than being further out. I think the depth of the water is as much to consider as uh, the current factor itself. Current breaks are a big factor in catching fish, especially with walleyes. You know, current break can be extremely productive, especially with higher water. So here again, it, you know what it really boils down to, I feel, is that you've got to search for these fish. Don't just say, well, at this time of the year they're going to be uh, they're going to be right in a current break, or at this time of the year they're going to be on a sand flat, or this time they're going to be inside turn of a point. We cannot do that process of thinking. What we have to do is check all areas out and then proceed from there. Yep, exactly. And yeah, don't. Uh, uh Again, and we've, we've touched on this uh, in the past as well. You know, don't get stuck in that that rut of, of trying the, you know, exact same thing every single time and, and doing it, you know, X, Y, and Z when uh, <laughs> the, the the fish might tell you completely uh, a completely different story there, and uh, um, you, you just have to be uh, willing and, and have that mindset to, uh, to to adapt to the fish, not the other way around. Oh, exactly right, and that's why it's you know so uh, beneficial for the angler, including myself, to have you know several rods rigged up and ready to go. Uh, and it's amazing how you can all of a sudden set a pattern. Uh, it's something that we need to do. It's something that we, I think, we almost have to do to be successful. And that's going to really apply to all species of fish. There is no one bait or one lure, one location that provide action throughout open water period. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 uh, even though you know the water levels are, are are low, there isn't a lot of current, at least uh, in our area or whatever. Uh, the conditions they're still constantly changing. The the uh, the factors whether you know there's a mayfly hatch or uh, you know uh, food sources are constantly on the move and you know so yeah it's uh, it's it's a dynamic situation uh, regardless of uh, uh, of what the what some of the conditions might happen to be like at the moment. Well, sure. Then you know, we also have to uh, you know throw in uh, the fishing pressure. Or boating pressure. These are all factors yeah. in catching fish. I, you know, and then too, I've noticed. I think recently, especially, where anglers come into one spot, they fish it for 20 minutes and then they leave. They don't work the whole area thoroughly, and that also can be a, uh, a negative. Uh, if you feel that you've got a pretty good location, work it thoroughly. I don't just you know anchor in one spot and then uh, or put spot lock on or whatever it is and fish that area and then don't catch any fish. That doesn't mean you need that the fish aren't there. Maybe they only need to move 100 yards or 100 feet and then, you know, catch these fish. So here again, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, if I fish this spot for 20 minutes or 10 minutes and then move, why did I pick that spot in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Terry, I've got to take a short little break here, and uh, uh, we'll continue the conversation in just a couple of moments here. But, uh, again, I have to take a pause here, and we'll be back in just a moment here as we continue talking with Tackle Terry Tuba this morning on WKTY Outdoors. It's 851, back in just a couple of moments. And 
welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It's 854. I'm Kevin Millard. Joining me on the phone here this morning is Tackle Terry Tuma. And, uh, and Terry, here in the, the, the few minutes we've, we've got left here, too, uh, one thing we really haven't ever touched on is, uh, is a lot of northern fishing. And uh, that can be very productive this time of year. It really can. In fact, I was unloading the boat, Kevin, and somebody came up to me and said, can, I never fished her. Can you give, give me any advice for fishing northern pike? And, you know, the river system offers some very, very large northern pike. You mm-hmm. get some unbelievable fishing. And the best is what we found out is fishing, I call it the spring areas. This also applies to an inland body of water when you got this hot weather. Is any kind, if you know of a lake that's got a lot of springs in it, these fish will really relate to that cold water. Or even like in a river system, uh, even we've done some wading for these pike in some of these river systems. But you have that cold water temperature that's coming in from, you know, streams or whatever it may be, or water flow, and these big pike really relate to that. And it's a very, very uh, productive location, and we're talking some big pike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I know, and, and uh, I, I've seen some caught here uh, just uh, pretty much directly across the other side of the, uh, the channel here from uh, from where I'm at this morning here, too, and in, a, in a narrow a uh, little body of water, a little uh, a little chute, and uh, yeah, it's amazing how big they can uh, get and, and the places they inhabit at times. Yes, you're exactly right. And you know, here again, uh, we need to concentrate on these um, colder water areas. Mm-hmm. And you can, like you said, I had a friend that uh, caught some pike uh, right at the mouth of a river system uh, going into the uh, Mississippi itself. Mm-hmm. It was amazing the size of the fish that he had caught. Yeah, and I think a lot of people uh, tend to think more of uh, northerns as, as sort of, uh, you know, necess- not necessarily like lake fish or some, you know, fishing in larger lakes and, and places along those lines, but uh, you can find them along the main channels and, and, and uh, just, uh, you know, some backwaters adjacent and, and things like that that uh, uh, they're out there. In fact, there's not a lot of people that fish them, mm-hmm. and I really believe that it's a really a good, healthy population of all sizes of yeah. North Pike on the whole river system. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And and again, um, you know, where are you know? I guess what are you trying to? Use, what are you using primarily then for, uh, for for catching them too? And and you you touched on while we're on the, in the break here too about whether to use a leader or not as well. Yes, well, generally speaking, what really is productive is uh, using tandem spinner baits, uh, some of them with the larger bait for the, you know, a pretty hefty hook system, and then also uh, jigs, heavier weight jigs with uh, big pieces of plastic. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I would definitely use a leader. I would use you know, something in here, a, a 10, 12-inch leader, uh, but not the regular stiff leader. You can get this, uh, the real, shall we say, uh, flexible thin wire leaders, um, mm-hmm. something near a 40-pound test, a 30-pound test, and use that. Because, uh, yes, you can many times get by without a leader, but then you got that big pike on, and then all of a sudden it bit right through that uh, line that you're using. And braid, uh, sure, it can help somewhat, but a fish will bite through that braid, especially a big pike. So mm-hmm. try to use uh, some sort of a wire leader if you possibly can, and use black. Okay. All right. Interesting. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm guessing too that you know if you, you're using a, a too heavy of a leader, it is going to affect how that uh, how that lure presents too. Well, exactly right. That and then it's going to affect your running depth too, Kevin. Mm-hmm. 
So there's some factors there that we uh, need to relate to. And here again, too, uh, for your main line, uh, use a heavier line. Uh, you can use uh, uh, definitely fluorocarbon when you're using a leader, but also, too, uh, don't be afraid not to use a braided line. But if you're using braided line, you've got to you know, watch your rod uh, uh, tip or use a, maybe a spec softer tip rod because something has to give and braid does not stretch. Uh, so, therefore, then uh, you can use a fluorocarbon uh, you know, a leader or line attached to your leader if, if you so desire. But here again, too, it's something we have to do some experimenting with, but do... Um, um, and concentrate on catching. Big, we're talking big fish. We're not talking 30-inch pike. We're talking, you know, 30-inch pike is a nice pike, but we can uh, definitely catch them much bigger. <laughs> most, than that. most definitely. Well, Terry, I've got to wrap things up here for this Saturday. I, I always appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing your knowledge with us and uh, with the uh, with the listeners. And uh, I certainly want to wish you this, the best this weekend. And uh, again, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show this morning. We're sure welcome. Thank you so much. It's a great opportunity to visit with you, Kevin, all to our listeners. And how about taking a kid fishing this week? Exactly. Great point, Terry. You have a great week, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Uh, that's going to do it for the program today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Saturday with another edition of WKTY Outdoors. Take care. Have a great weekend.